Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Falato's Fantasy Corner here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host, Nick Falato. We're going to dive into some fantasy rankings and some matchups to target in this week three slate. We already saw the Carolina Panthers square up against the Houston Texans on Thursday night, so none of those players will be included in this ranking. Incredibly unfortunate what ended up happening to Christian McCaffrey. We hope he comes back soon. Looks like Chuba Hubbard might be one of the one of the bigger waiver wire ads. But let's get into the first game that we're going to talk about, and that is the Washington football team traveling up to Buffalo to play the Bills. Josh Allen, who is underwhelmed so far, has not scored more than 21 fantasy points yet this season. I expect that to be broken this week against Washington. Buffalo is a 7.5 point favorite, and the over-under is 45.5, so not the sexiest. So you're firing up Josh Allen if you have him. Taylor Heineke, I wouldn't want to entertain Taylor Heineke, not even in two quarterback leagues. There are probably better options out there unless you're in a 12-team super flex type of league. Buffalo's defense has been lights out. They really put the clamps on the Miami Dolphins last week. Again, Tua Tungavailoa got hurt in the first quarter of that game. Jacoby Brissett, who didn't get any chance to plan with the first team so let's give him a little bit of credit there but he looked just lost out there against this Buffalo defense and then Pittsburgh when they played them in week one Pittsburgh ended up winning that football game but Ben Roethlisberger didn't look all that great the running backs in this game I think if you have Antonio Gibson you have to fire him up even though he hasn't lived up to that second round grade that you probably spent on him to acquire him last week against the Giants a pretty good formidable run defense he had 13 carries for 69 yards was targeted twice but JD McKissick man he just you know Antonio Gibson a lot of these good running backs who don't have the third down roll they got a case of something you know what I mean and and, and Gibson has a case of JD McKissick because he can't kick JD McKissick this coaching staff loves him McKissick last week had six targets caught five of them for 83 yards and then also had that rushing touchdown to close the first half. All of that could have been Antonio Gibson's. It's well within his skill set, but it doesn't seem like Ron Rivera wants to give Gibson that Christian McCaffrey type of workload. And look at what's happened to McCaffrey over the last two years. So there could be some merit to that. McKissick is good in his own right. And I think in full PPR leagues, he's worth a flex type of ad, but not necessarily somebody that you're looking to want to add in there. He's more of a Naheem Hines, I think. Not even as certain as a James White when we're talking about these pass-catching backs, but Naheem Hines is going to have his 30-point games. He's going to have his 25-point games, and then he's going to have the clunker that he had last week. So you have to always be cognizant of of that. But I will say this. This game script sets up to where this could be a little bit more of a J.D. McKissick game down the stretch in two-minute drill when this offense has to go up tempo. I trust Scott Turner to get him involved and probably try to create mismatches against the Bills linebacker Matt Milano, who's one of the better linebackers in the league, but not necessarily fleet of foot. As we all know, J.D. McKissick is fleet of foot. Ask Tate Crowder. So... I consider him a flex, not somebody I am going over the moon to start, but somebody that you can start in a pinch if you have some injuries, if you're an Elijah Mitchell owner and you don't have Trey Sermon or something like that. As for these Bills running backs, ah, that's that, that's my reaction, ah, because Zach Moss had two rushing touchdowns and a fumble last week. It's very, very gross. I think regression is, in terms of fantasy points, are going to go towards Josh Allen, who's just an absolute beast. He lost three rushing touchdowns to Devin Singletary and Zach Moss last week and we know last year that was all basically Josh Allen. If I had to start a Bills running back, it's going to be Devin Singletary. Washington has a good defense. I think there are better running backs out there. Singletary, as of right now, I have him ranked as my running back 27. So somebody that you can certainly start as like a running back three flex type of player. So that's where I'm at with this running back situation. As for these wide receivers, you're firing up Steph Diggs. You're firing up Terry McLaurin. Cole Beasley, you can definitely start. He had four targets last week, caught all four for 36 yards, but the Bills didn't really have to throw the football all that much last week because they just steamrolled Miami. Now, another one 
who's probably on your free agent wire right now is Emmanuel Sanders. And Emmanuel Sanders hasn't done much right now. Dude's like 34 years old, but he looks good out there, which is which is not something you say about 34-year-old wide receivers who are coming off of Achilles injuries. Now, that was also two years ago, but he still has bounced back. This dude's almost ageless in terms of in terms of things like that because last week he had six targets, caught two of them for 48 yards. Not great fantasy numbers, but the air yards were there and he was getting open and he was creating separation, but Josh Allen just put a little bit too much juice on those balls. Now you can argue it's, oh, it's because Emmanuel Sanders is older and he's losing a step, but he's burning cornerbacks. He's leaving cornerbacks in the dust. So I think Emmanuel Sanders is definitely a DFS target that people should look into. And I would also say if you're in one of those deeper type of leagues and he's out there and you're in a pinch and you're dealing with some of these injuries, pick up Emmanuel Sanders and plug him in. He's going to hit with Josh Allen on one of these deep balls soon. And it could be this week. So please, 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 if you need to, if you're in a pinch, there is no Marquise Brown on the free agent wire. You're looking at a bunch of gross names. Emmanuel Sanders is somebody who you can probably trust. And I put probably in there on purpose. But anyways, as for the tight ends, Logan Thomas, you're plugging him in. Dawson Knox, it's the tight end position. It's tight end it's touchdown or bust for, for, for Dawson Knox. You, you don't necessarily want to rely on that, but you know sometimes in deeper leagues and your tight ends get injured, you, you don't have a better option. It's definitely not some somewhere I want to look. All right, then we have Chicago and Cleveland, where the Cleveland Browns are hosting Justin Fields, who's starting in this game because Andy Dalton is injured. The Browns are favored by seven, and this is a 44-and-a-half point over under. Baker Mayfield, do you start him? I have Baker Mayfield right now ranked at quarterback 19. Justin Fields, I have ranked at quarterback 15. Look, it's an unknown with Fields. Fields is going to be prone to mistakes. He's a young quarterback with a very, very high ceiling and a high rushing floor. He's somebody that I'm looking to start over some more high profile quarterbacks like Matt Ryan, or maybe even a Derek Carr, who I think could be in for another good week against Miami and over Baker Mayfield. But I'm still going to roll out with Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Justin Herbert and Dak Prescott and other than Tom Brady there, some of those guys may have let down in week one or week two. I'm still going to roll with those guys, but in two quarterback leagues, you have Justin Fields, you were patient and you drafted him and he sat on your bench for two weeks. Now's the time you can fire him up if you don't have any of these other top 14 options at that are, that are ahead of Justin Fields. Now, please go and check Big Blue View. The rankings will be up there. They'll be up there Saturday. They'll be up there Sunday. My DMs are open for fantasy football questions as well. But Justin Fields, it's exciting. Cleveland has a good defense. Chicago's offensive line is, is hit or miss. You know, you're going to have a healthy amount of Miles Garrett, a healthy amount of Jadevian Clowney. They're going to attempt to bait Justin Fields into mistakes. So you have to be ready for that. But that rushing floor is something that you're going to look to capitalize on. So he's somebody I'm much more interested in than Baker Mayfield without Jarvis Landry. Running back-wise, if you have Nick Chubb and David Montgomery, you're firing them up. Kareem Hunt, I, I feel he is a a flex type of play right now. Kareem Hunt, he has his games. This game script looks like it may not be one of them where he's going to have to be utilized in the passing attack in the fourth quarter. But right now, I have Kareem Hunt as running back 23. I think he's a you know, high-end running back to more more flex type of option, in, in my opinion, even though I have him in my top 24 this week. But if you have to go in his direction, he touched the ball more than double-digit times last week, but he only had one target, which isn't great. But it was against Houston. The game script didn't go for that narrative either. I don't believe it's going to go for that narrative against Chicago. But Kareem Hunt, there are running backs like James Robinson that you may have. There are running backs like Melvin Gordon that you might have. And I like Melvin Gordon this week, maybe not as much as Kareem Hunt. So I'm going to go with Kareem Hunt. I think he's more of a... a a lower floor, or I should say a floor type of play rather than a ceiling type of play, unless obviously something were to happen to Nick Chubb, which nobody is wishing. As for these wide receivers in this game, you know, you're going to start Allen Robinson. He's going to see some Denzel Ward. You're going to start probably nobody else, definitely, I would say. Odell Beckham Jr. is coming back. I wouldn't want to start him in his first game back, but he's Odell Beckham Jr. He could have a freak type of game and, and put up some points against the Chicago secondary. That's kind of allowed a lot of points so far this season. I also like Darnell Mooney. I know he's questionable. He's been questionable all year with the back injury, and he's also had a little bit of a groin issue, but the guy's seeing targets. He had eight targets last week. He caught six of them for 66 yards, and I think he's somebody who can develop a rapport with Justin Fields. So I have Darnell Mooney right now ranked 
towards the bottom of my ranked wide receivers at wide receiver 33, just ahead of Rondell Moore and Michael Pittman Jr. But if Carson Wentz ends up playing, I'm going to bump Michael Pittman Jr. well above that. So I think he's someone you can rely on in three receiver leagues, but not somebody to necessarily get all that excited about. And as for these tight ends, I think Austin Hooper is somebody that you can plug in because without Jarvis Landry over the middle of the field, there's going to be a lot of open targets in the short to intermediate parts of the field. And I think that's Austin Hooper's game yet. Five targets, caught five of them for 40 yards last week. So he's somebody that I have right now ranked as my tight end 15, just behind Jonu Smith and Robert Tunyon, but ahead of Cole Komet, who was a letdown. He's also in this game. Look, I think you could do better than Cole Komet right now. I think he's going to have a good season this year, but I just want to see a little bit more before I necessarily trust that. Let's move on to the Indianapolis Colts and the Tennessee Titans. And this one... Low-key, I would not have predicted this, but this one, some books have it as the highest over-under at like 54.5. The book I'm looking at right now, which is DraftKings, has it at 48. So just to keep it in mind, it seems like some people are everywhere with, with this game. I think a lot of that is contingent on Carson Wentz playing. He actually practiced on Friday. He has two sprained ankles. I'm not going to play Carson Wentz if he's healthy or not right now, but I will bump Michael Pittman Jr. up if he is healthy in the Titans are favored in this game by five and a half. Hasn't been a pretty start for the Indianapolis Colts. You're going to be starting Derrick Henry for sure. Jonathan Taylor, if you have him, you're going to start. Naheem Hines, you can entertain, but but he let down a lot last week. Hopefully you can have better options. I don't have him ranked in my top 35. Ryan Tannehill, I believe I have him right now as my quarterback 13. If I'm not mistaken, just double check. And no, I lied. Quarterback 16, so I would start Justin Fields over Ryan Tannehill and Tannehill last week he didn't have the best game he ended up with 18 fantasy points in DraftKings format could have been so much more he was robbed of a Julio Jones touchdown there were several drop passes deep passes to AJ Brown so I think Ryan Tannehill will be fine don't panic be patient I have Tannehill in a bunch of leagues not going to be panicked or patient or impatient about it but I am starting Daniel Jones over him, which is something I never thought I was going to say, but here I am, New York Giants fan, someone who covers the Giants, starting Daniel Jones. I don't believe it's because of homerism. It's because Daniel Jones uses his legs very, very well. But moving on to the wide receivers in this game, you're going to start A.J. Brown, you're going to start Julio Jones, and I think you're going to start Michael Pittman Jr. if Carson Wentz plays. More so as a wide receiver three. I mean, last week he saw... He saw the targets, man. 12 targets, caught eight of them for 123 yards. You'd love to see that kind of target share. He fits the mold of a young receiver prime to break out. You know, there's been a lot of studies about second year wide receivers and how they break out their breakout rate. And Michael Pittman Jr. fits that. And he's gigantic. He's big. He's tall. He's fast. He's physical. He has all the traits that you want in a number one receiver. Now he just needs to put it all together. But if it's Jacob Eason or Brett Hundley throwing him the ball, I'm not trusting that. And neither does the coaching staff of the Colts because they don't can't even make a decision on which player they want to play. So if Carson Wentz is in there, fire up Michael Pittman Jr. as a wide receiver three. For these tight ends, now, Anthony Ferkser, he's ruled out. Jack Doyle is the only one that kind of interests me. But Michael Pruitt could fall into the end zone. Malai Cox is gigantic. He could catch a touchdown pass. I like the fact that Doyle had eight targets last week, caught five of them. They had that little nifty pass that was shuffle pass that was intercepted in the red zone designed for Jack Doyle. He ended up with plus... 10 points, so he had 13.4 fantasy points, full point PPR on DraftKings last week. But there are better tight ends than Jack Doyle right now, specifically if it's not Carson Wentz. Right now, I have Jack Doyle ranked as my tight end 19 behind Gerald Everett, who I think could see a little uptick in targets in that high over-under game against the Minnesota Vikings. Moving on to the Atlanta Falcons traveling up to New York to play the Giants. In this game, Daniel Jones, man, and I never thought I'd say this, but I'm, I'm firing up Daniel Jones right now as a quarterback one, last spot of it, but he's my 12th ranked quarterback. Look, the guy has been scoring a lot of fantasy points because of all the production he has with his legs. Atlanta's defense has not been great. Yes, they've played good offensive lines. I think they might be able to get some pressure, but that might lead to even more opportunity for Daniel to gain some yards with his legs. I think the secondary of Atlanta without A.J. Terrell can get abused by this receiving core of Kenny Galladay, who's a little dinged up right now, but more importantly, Sterling Shepard as well. So I think Daniel Jones is in a smash spot right now. So wouldn't it just be so fantasy football-like for him to let us down? But Daniel Jones is somebody that I am going to fire up. As for Matt Ryan, I am Matt Ryan ranked as my quarterback 18 right now. I would like to not play Matt Ryan Uh, to be honest, but I think he's going to have a better game than what a lot of people are expecting. I think Patrick Graham is going to do a better job generating pressure, but I think at the end of the game, you're going to look and be like, oh, Matt Ryan had a respectable, you know, 
17 fantasy points or 18 fantasy points. Not something that's going to win you your week, but it, it shouldn't tank you like a four-point game. But overall, I think, I hope and I think the Giants will win this football game, but I guess we will see. Saquon Barkley, I have him ranked in my top 10, which is not something a lot of fantasy analysts have. I think he's in for that breakout game. One thing I will say is I believe the Falcons' defense ends. They're going to really be put into a tough spot when Jason Garrett calls his own read game because they saw the film against Washington. They're not going to be undisciplined and shoot that shoot that backside and try to tackle Saquon Barkley. They have to respect Daniel Jones on the zone read, and that's going to allow Saquon Barkley to have a little bit more breathing room when he gets the ball in those inside zone plays. So I think he could be primed for a breakout Saquon Barkley type of game here. I'm hoping it happens, and I think if you have him, you should start him. So I know a lot of people are actually looking to get away from him right now, but I'm a little bit more optimistic on Barkley than I thought I would be. Mike Davis, not as optimistic on him. He's going to catch passes, though, and that's great. And Cordero Patterson eats into his workload, and he siphoned a couple touchdowns from him last week. Look, I'm not all about Cordero Patterson at the moment. I wouldn't really want to start him if, if, if I picked him up off free agent. Mike Davis, I think you can start. I have Mike Davis as my running back 25 right in front of Melvin Gordon. I would roll him out there, but again, I'd rather him be my flex than my running back too. If but you know, beggars can't be choosers at this point of the fantasy football season. I mean, we we're well in it right now. So the wide receivers, Calvin Ridley firing up Sterling Shepard. I think you have to fire him up. He's fifty nine hundred on DK right now. That's probably still a steal because he had nineteen targets so far this season. He's caught sixteen of them, and he just keeps creating yards after the catch in an offense that does not maximize yards after the catch had a touchdown in week one I think he could easily have another touchdown against the Atlanta Falcons and Kenny Galladay I think this could be a breakout game for him as well which is crazy but he also has this little hip injury I don't know how serious it is I'm not expecting him to be ruled out of this game but it's not encouraging the fact that he popped up in the injury report on Thursday with a hip injury so something to just monitor I'm not going to entertain Darius Slayton as of right now and for tight ends I'm firing up Kyle Pitts I think he could have a breakout game against these giant safeties and linebackers for sure he's had 14 targets so far this season and has caught nine of them and I think this could be the game where he gets in the end zone for his first NFL touchdown for Mr. Big Kyle Pitts Nevin Ingram's questionable in this game probably not going to trust uh uh, trust him or start him at this point, but it's also something because it could lead to less targets for Sterling Shepard and Kenny Galladay. Moving on to the Chargers and the Chiefs in a game that should be wildly entertaining, where the Chiefs are favored in this game by seven points, so a touchdown, and has a nice 54.5 point over-under. So start your Chiefs and Chargers here, ladies and gentlemen. You're going to. Pat Mahomes and Justin Herbert. I have Herbert right now ranked as my quarterback nine. I have Mahomes ranked as my quarterback four, just behind Lamar Jackson, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. So I, I really like just getting pieces on these high-scoring over-under type games. We always talk about that here on the Filato's Fantasy Corner Podcast. Austin Eckler, you're firing up. I think you're going to fire up Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I mean, this is a home game. They're favored. It's a divisional matchup. I know he has not been great. He has a total of like 13 fantasy points on the season. He fumbled the game away against Baltimore last week. But if I have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I'm probably going to start him, to be honest. I know it's kind of gross right now. I have him at running back 21, just just behind Damian Harris. And I think if I had him on any of my teams, which I don't, but if I did, I would be firing him up. Austin Eckler obviously smashed. Tyreek Hill smashed, bounce back type game. I have Tyreek Hill right now ranked as my number one wide receiver. I think he's going to bounce back well from what Baltimore was able to do to him to slow him down. Keenan Allen, you're firing up. Mike Williams, you're definitely firing up. He's been balling out. He's had double digit targets and both of the games this season at 12 against Washington, 10 last week against Dallas, and I think he could be in for a hefty amount against the Chiefs as well, who struggled to stop the run, so there could be some, you know, Austin Eckler and then Larry Roundtree or something, but I'm not going to obviously ever recommend anybody to start Larry Roundtree at this part, or at this part of his career. I mean, he's just a couple of games in right now. I'm not probably going to entertain Nicole Hardman because last week, yeah, it was Nicole Hardman that hit eight targets, but it could have easily have been Robinson. So I'm not going to do that. Jalen Guyton's a little bit too much of a deep dive for me, but you're firing up Travis Kelsey, no doubt. Jared Cook, I think you can also start at five targets last week. Didn't do much with them, but this should be a high scoring game and you kind of want as much as you can. If you need a deep, deep, deep dive, you could look at someone like a Donald Parham, but again, I wouldn't probably go that far. I know he had a touchdown called back in one of these games. I believe it was last week. But other than that, he didn't have any targets. So you're talking about really, really deep. So Jared Cook, fire him up. All right, before we get into 
Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. An AFC North showdown where the Bengals travel to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. A 43-point over-under with the Steelers favored by three at home. Mm. Not very high on the Steelers, and I can understand why. It doesn't seem like Ben Roethlisberger has that type of pop coming off his arm right now. Deontay Johnson is not going to play in this game. They have to figure out a way to diversify their offense and also establish the running game with Najee Harris. I think if you have Najee, you're going to play him. I honestly wouldn't want to start... Roethlisberger or Burrow in one quarterback leagues. Uh, Burrow threw three picks on three consecutive passes last week, and he was bailed out by, I don't want to say garbage time in the fourth quarter, but he was bailed out by some fourth quarter production, and there's no T. Higgins, who's his favorite target. He's doubtful for this game. I have Joe Burrow ranked as my quarterback 21 and Ben Roethlisberger as my quarterback 23. So super flex, two quarterback leagues. I mean, yes, you can entertain them. But it's not. I'm not overly enthusiastic about it. I think Joe Mixon, Najee Harris, they're plug and play. Mixon's workload has just been insane. Good for him. It's about damn time that he's receiving it now that Giovanni Bernard is not there and Najee Harris. I mean, they can't run the football, but he's gonna be out there. He's gonna play like 100% of the snaps like he did in Week One. He's gonna see targets without Deontay Johnson there. They're gonna need to throw the football to somebody else in the short to intermediate parts of the field. And yes, you have Juju Smith-Schuster, whose A dot is like four right now. I'm kind of exaggerating, but not really. So Najee Harris is gonna see targets as well for Juju. I think you can start him because without Deontay Johnson. You're going to need to throw the football to somebody. You know Ben Roethlisberger likes to get the football out of his hands quickly. And I think that could lead to a lot of targets, a lot of quick receptions to Juju Smith-Schuster. He's a big, strong, physical guy. He can make players miss in space. So I'm going to fire him up. And I'm probably going to fire Chase Claypool up as well. Look, he's been inefficient so far this season. He only caught three of nine targets last week. But he's getting nine targets. And Ben Roethlisberger is throwing deep. He, last last week, I think his average depth of target was like 23 yards. It was it was insane. So, so I think they're going to attempt to do that against Cincinnati. I have Claypool right now ranked as my wide receiver 31, just behind Tyler Boyd, who I should probably bump up now that the T. Higgins news has come out. I'm actually more comfortable starting Boyd than I am Claypool, so I'll probably change that before I post this. And I am very comfortable to start Jamar Chase in this game as well. For the tight ends... Probably not comfortable with, with any of them. If I had to take a shot, it might actually be Pat Fryermuth, the rookie out of Penn State, who caught all four of his targets last week for 36 yards, and he's playing more snaps right now than Eric Ebron. But, you know, it could be Eric Ebron in week three, which would make Pat Fryermuth, you know, a little bit more obsolete. So that's kind of where I'm at with this game. It's not really all that sexy of a game. Start your studs and then look for better matchups on the waiver wire or just on your roster. And we're going to go through all those matchups right now. First, we'll start, though, with Baltimore and Detroit. So Baltimore coming off of that that Sunday night victory against the Kansas City Chiefs are traveling up to Detroit. We're coming off that 
Monday night defeat against the Green Bay Packers, and we have the Baltimore Ravens favored by 7.5 on the road with a 15.5 point over under here. Lamar Jackson's dealing with a sickness. It's not COVID. He should be ready to play. You're firing him up. Jared Goff. I think Goff is an interesting one because he didn't look that bad honestly, on Sunday night, but he didn't really look good either, or I should say Monday night. So I have him at 26 right now, and he's not somebody I would necessarily want to start, but it seemed like he had a little bit more success in week one targeting his running backs. Didn't do that as frequently last week when he was facing the Green Bay Packers. DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams weren't as heavily involved, but We'll see if that deviates or that changes at all. Lamar Jackson, you're obviously starting. Like I said, Tyson Williams, you're going to start. DeAndre Swift, I believe you're going to start. He's always on the injury report, but he should be fine to play. Jamal Williams, low-end flex type of guy. I mean, last week he saw three targets called. All three didn't do much with him. Only had seven carries. I don't expect this to be a game script where Detroit's going to be able to run the football all that much because we know Baltimore is going to run the football. Probably not going to be as many plays in this game. So I'm probably not looking to start the second fiddle to DeAndre Swift in Jamal Williams right now, but Tyson Williams, I'm going to start. Marquise Brown is somebody I'm going to entertain right now. He's dealing with an ankle injury, but it looks like he can or he will be ready. I mean, he had 10 targets last week against Kansas City. He caught all six of his target targets against Las Vegas on Monday Night Football in week one. I think he's the guy that we all expected him to be, almost the guy that we all expected him to be last year during draft season when everybody valued him so high. Maybe it's the number five number that he's wearing now. I'm not sure, but I would start him as a wide receiver three. So other than that, though, I'm not entertaining any of these other receivers. I'm not going to go down the Quintez Cephas route against Baltimore. I think he's interesting. I think he's worth an ad in leagues, but not against Baltimore. I'm not going to do that unless I'm in a very, very deep league, a 14 team league, three wide receiver type of league. And then Hawkinson and Andrews are going to play them both. New Orleans at New England. Now, this is not a game that has a lot of great fantasy outlooks, if we're going to be honest here. The New England Patriots are favored by three, 43 point over under, which is not great whatsoever. The Saints looked really, really horrendous last week, and I really don't want to start Jameis Winston, and I don't want to start Mac Jones. It's just, <laughs> just it is what it is. I have Mac Jones as my quarterback 25. I think he'll nickel and dime. I think James White could be a solid PPR option here. Jameis Winston I have as my quarterback 28. We know Jameis Winston is a skittish type of quarterback, and skittish type of quarterbacks typically don't do well against Bill Belichick coached defenses, so I don't really want to go down that route. For these running backs, if you have Alvin Kamara, you're going to start him. If you have Damian Harris, I believe you're going to start him as well. I mean, dude has, what, four targets of the year. That's something. No one thought he was ever going to get a target ever. (laughs) So yeah, I don't expect that to be consistent. James White has his defined role, but this should be a game that's somewhat close where they're going to still want to run the football. He had a finger issue. doesn't seem like he's on the injury report anymore. So if you have Damian Harris, you could fire him up as a running back two, a low end running back two. Right now I have Damian Harris ranked at 20. So running back 20. So that's kind of where I'm picturing him. James White, I also think you can fire up specifically in PPR leagues. I'm at running back 31 right now, but in full point PPR leagues, he'd be bumped up there. I usually do my rankings based on half point PPR leagues. For these wide receivers, I really don't want to ever roster any of these wide receivers for the Saints. I like Jacoby Myers, but dude, it has a, a solid floor in PPR, but no upside at all. Guy never scores touchdowns whatsoever. And I think you could probably find better wide receivers like Michael Pittman Jr. or wide receivers like that that you'd want to play more than any of the wide receivers in this game. I think you can go with Jonu Smith. He had five targets. He caught one of them on a trick play for a nice gain for like a 19-yard gain. But he only caught, only had 28 yards, which isn't great in that game. Right now, I have Jonu Smith ranked as my 14th tight end. I mean, I have Austin Hooper behind him. I may actually move Austin Hooper above him because I'm not overly confident. I know they love Johnny Smith. They're going to try to utilize him against these Saints linebackers. We'll see if that works, but the fact that Hunter Henry eats into it just a little bit takes something away from Johnny Smith because Hunter Henry had four targets caught two of them for 42 yards last week, but either way, you don't really want to look at this game for fantasy purposes unless it's like Nick Folk or the New England defense. I think Nick Folk could, uh, 
take advantage of the fact that New England's offense has a rookie quarterback that may not thrive once you get close to the red zone, leading to more field goal attempts, similar to Graham Gano last year with Daniel Jones and just the offense in general. It's how you look for your kickers. It's not always the over-under. It's, it's a lot of the over-under. I think this week it's Ryan Suckup in the over-under. But if you roster Ryan Suckup the last two weeks, the Buccaneers offense is so damn efficient and so good, he never really receives a field goal attempt unless it's to win the game because they're always scoring touchdowns. So you always kind of want to project on what the game is going to end up being and how the offense is going to react when they get near the red zone. Can they punch it in? How efficient are they? Because you know the Giants haven't been for quite some time. That's why Graham Gano is a pretty darn good kicker in fantasy football, depending on the matchup, obviously. And you always got to look at that. Arizona at Jacksonville. So there's a lot with this game. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are just not a good football team. That's why Arizona's on the road and they're favored by eight with an over-under of 51 and a half Kyler Murray starting. Trevor Lawrence, I mean, you can start him. There could be a lot of garbage time in this game. He didn't really do anything last week against Denver. Had sub-10 fantasy points. But in week one against Houston, he had 25. Right now, because I I feel like Urban Meyer has to utilize this kid's legs. He's a really good athlete. I mean, I have him at quarterback 20, so I'm not really excited to play him whatsoever. I have Baker Mayfield over him, who we all know I'm not excited to play after a little bit before, but you can play him in super flex leagues if you don't have better options. That's kind of where I'm at with Trevor Lawrence right here. There should be a lot of plays though, and that typically leads to a lot more fantasy opportunity and then therefore fantasy outcome. So that's something to kind of keep in mind there. Chase Edmonds, I would fire him up, you know, low end running back too. I like the fact that he had five targets last week, caught 529 yards. He's not gaining that much opportunity on the ground right now. James Conner is still there. I'm not really interested in James Conner, but the fact that he's taking away carries and could get red zone work from Chase Edmonds kind of deters me from wanting to start Chase Edmonds, but I still have Edmonds in a game where they should be leading and running the football down the stretch of the fourth quarter. Still have Edmonds up there as a running back too. James Robinson, I'm not as high on. He's a low-end I would say he's probably a flex type of option. I mean, he at least had double-digit carries last week at 11 for 47 yards. He's still involved in the passing game. But Urban Meyer, man, he's, he's, he's not cutting it right now. He's not cutting it as a head coach. Let's see if he utilizes, you know, Robinson a little bit more than Carlos Hyde, which he did last week, which is good to see. But he does love himself some Carlos Hyde. He's going to give him targets. It's annoying. So something to pay attention to. James Robinson, if you, if you need to, he could be a flex type of option. But I wouldn't have high expectations against this Arizona Cardinals team. To Andre Hopkins, it looks like he, he's probably going to play, but he's questionable, hasn't practiced all week. It's We're not strangers to seeing DeAndre Hopkins not practice all week and still end up playing. So you're going to fire him up. Rondale Moore is somebody that you can fire up as well. His snap count increased each week, but it's still not over 55%. So you want to kind of be cognizant of that. But when he's on the field, they look to get the football in his hands. He could have a big game here. So he's more of a boom type of prospect. If you want somebody a little bit safer, I would stray away from him. But if you need points, if you're down in the hole, if you played like Sam Darnold and DJ Moore or something like that on Thursday Night Football and you need a boom type of guy, Rondell Moore is your guy. As can be Christian Kirk, and that's what kind of takes away from Rondell Moore because what Rondell Moore can do, I mean, Christian Kirk sometimes steals some of that. We saw that in week one when he had two touchdowns against the Arizona or against the Tennessee Titans, but I wouldn't want to really start any of these Jag wide receivers. Christian Kirk, I wouldn't want to unless I'm in a deep league, three wide receiver. If I had to start a Jag wide receiver, it would be Marvin Jones, who had 11 targets last week, had a touchdown, had a garbage touchdown in Houston as well. So that's kind of where I would go there. looks like Chanel will play in this game. He got dinged up last week. And as for these tight ends, I'm not going down the Max Williams strap, and James O'Shaughnessy is now hurt. Let's go to the Jets and the Denver Broncos here. So the New York football Jets travel to Denver, and they are dogs by 10 and a half points and that probably rightfully so after what we saw from Zach Wilson against Bill Belichick and Vic Fangio he's a he's a good defensive mind over there so the over under here is even more gross than the Saints Patriots over under at 42 points according to DraftKings and I think a lot of those points are probably going to come from the Broncos I actually have Teddy Bridgewater since the Broncos have just been bad running the football. I have Teddy Bridgewater as my quarterback 13, which is high, and I know it is. But I think there's going to be a lot of quick passes, going to be a lot of quick game, a lot of mesh, a lot of get the football out of my hands. I'm Teddy Bridgewater. Let me find Cortland Sutton. Let me find KJ Hamler, Tim Patrick, Noah Fant, Big Alberto. A lot of just spreading the football around. I don't love this game for fantasy purposes, although I do like Teddy Bridgewater because 
and I do like Cortland Sutton, but I don't know if it's going to be Tim Patrick, and I don't know if it's going to be KJ Hamler. So I don't know which direction to kind of lean there. Last week, it was Tim Patrick catching a touchdown, but I would not be shocked to see KJ Hamler come out and catch two touchdowns in this game. You know Pat Shermer is going to scheme a lot of plays for a skill set like KJ Hamler. It's just can they capitalize on those plays? Melvin Gordon, Javante Williams are or I would say flex type of options, people that you can start. You won't feel gross about starting them, but they're not high-end type of players. I have Gordon at 26 and Javante Williams at 29, but they their workload has just been the same, essentially. Gordon a little bit more involved in the passing game. And I look at it, if one of them starts to win this job and gain more of an edge, I would like just this tandem maybe even a little bit better. I would like one more so than the other, Melvin Gordon or Javante Williams, and then I will have a better beat on what the other player is going to do. Specifically, if one of them ever developed a pass-catching role, it doesn't seem like that's happening right now. It seems like they're both similar type of backs that the Broncos are willing to use in an interchangeable manner. This week, they are in a good matchup. They're favored heavily, so they theoretically could smash. Last week, they were on the road. They were favored heavily. They didn't smash against the Jacksonville Jags. They just threw the football a little bit more than one would expect, and they moved the ball with Cortland Sutton, who didn't have a touchdown, but I expect him to get in the end zone here. Jets last year had a really good rush defense. This year, I haven't really dove into the numbers to, to to see how great the rush defense has been. I know they still have similar personnel, but it's a different defensive mind with Robert Sala as their defensive coordinator. But I think at the end of the day, one of these two could end up having a huge game. I'm just not certain on which one. That's why I have them both hovering there in the late 20s. But I definitely think you could start both of them. Tevin Coleman is not going to play in this game. Michael Carter makes him interesting. He's get, seeing a little bit of passing involvement. I think that's that's all well and good for the rookie at a UNC. Not somebody I want to start as of right now, though. For these wide receivers, are firing up Cortland Sutton. And I'm probably going to stay away from any Jets pass catcher. Even though Braxton Berrios is making us all... Double take there, man. 11 targets last week, 7 in the first. What's going on here? But Jameson Crowder might be back anyways. I don't know. Actually, he's listed as doubtful, but so he might not play in this game. But either way, I'm not going to fire Corey Davis up, even though he's the main target. I'm not going to fire up a lot of these uh, a lot of these other receivers. It's Cortland Sutton here is the guy to go. And if you need someone in deeper leagues, you can go with K.J. Hamler or Tim Patrick and hope that it's their time to shine in this specific game. Miami and Las Vegas, so no Tua in this game, which is unfortunate for Miami. And the only Dolphin that I'm going to consider, I think, is Miles Gaskin because he's probably going to catch a lot of little check downs. He's had 10 targets this year. He caught nine of them for minimal gain. And he's not really getting that many carries on the ground. Last week's game script went totally awry. That could be why. See that rhyme there? could be why that happened, though. I think Las Vegas is going to win this football game. It could be a lot of running of Kenyon Drake and Peyton Barber, and I don't really want to start either of them. You think you would want to start Kenyon Drake against Miami, but he had seven carries last week and was not good with them. And he had targets last week, which you love to see, but John Gruden loves to use Peyton Barber, and he won't get away from Peyton Barber, who had 13 carries. He had more carries last week than Kenyon Drake, and he didn't do that much with them either. He had 32 yards with a 13 long. So, it's kind of maddening. If Kenyon Drake had a more defined role, I would like it. I like the fact that he's going to have the pass-catching role. That's great. But John Gruden's proclivity to use older running backs who are over the hill won't stop now. So it's going to be a little bit of Peyton Barber, and that makes me kind of not want to play Kenyon Drake. So Miles Gaskin, ironically enough, on a team that I don't think is going to win this football game, is probably my favorite back in this game because Josh Jacobs is more than likely not going to play. And then as for these wide receivers, I don't really want to start any of them either because... The target share goes to Darren Waller, who's going to just continue to gobble up these targets. And it could be Henry Ruggs like it was last week, but it could easily be Brian Edwards like it was in the fourth quarter against the Baltimore Ravens in week one. And I think Brian Edwards is an okay stash, but he saw three targets last week. He caught all three for 40 yards. Yeah, that's great, but it's not a lot of production. Las Vegas should win this game. And the Miami Dolphins, I mean, this is a they're favored by three and a half, the Raiders, right now. And the 44-point over-under is... It's not overly appetizing, especially with Jacoby Brissett, who looked lost last week when Tua went out. And yes, he gets the game planning now. That's great. But it's not a game that I'm looking to attack. But defensive-wise, if you need a defense, the Raiders' defense is probably just sitting out there. So you can probably go in that direction. Tampa Bay and the Rams. Now, the next two games we're going to go over, 
Very, very sexy for fantasy. Great for fantasy points. The Rams are dogs at home by one and a half points. The Buccaneers are favored by one and a half. And the over-under is 55 points, which it should be. Tom Brady, Matt Stafford. I love Matt Stafford this week. I have him in my top 10. I have Matt Stafford as my quarterback seven, just behind Dak Prescott, who plays on Monday Night Football. And Tom Brady are going to play. I think I have him at quarterback 10, slightly behind. Daryl Henderson, he's questionable. Look, if he's healthy to play, you can fire him up. I'm I'm not overly confident, though, because this is the Buccaneers' rush defense. That's why I love Matt Stafford so much. That's why I love Robert Woods so much. That's why I love Cooper Cup so much. That's why I love Tyler Higbee. I'm playing all of those guys, but I'm probably not going to play another Ram unless Daryl Henderson is ruled out, and then I'll entertain Sony Michelle because he should see some targets through the air. And I say that knowing full well that he has not recorded a target yet this year, but if Daryl Henderson's in there, he gets dinged up. You can't rush the football up the middle. They may check it down to him, but they could easily just pivot to Sony since he is dinged up. It's just a little bit of a messy situation, and I never like entertaining this Buccaneers running back situation. If I had to start one, it's Leonard Fournette. He seems to be the most reliable because Ronald Jones just gets benched every other game. I have Leonard Fournette ranked as my last running back that I rank, 35th. It's not something I feel overly great about. I think there's going to be a lot of passing in this game. It's going to be a long game. It's going to be a lot of fantasy points. Fire up Chris Godwin. Fire up Mike Evans. Antonio Brown is on the COVID-19 list. That's unfortunate. I'm probably not going to entertain any of these other receivers, even though I know full well that Van Jefferson could get involved like he did in week one and catch a big long pass it could be Deshaun Jackson in a revenge type of game against the Buccaneers I could see that happening so if you're playing DFS and you're plugging in the uh the single game type of entry the showdown contest look for like the Van Jeffersons and the Scotty Millers and those players that nobody really wants to wants to roster plug them in and all it takes is one big play and they'll pay off their value because they're so cheap as for the tight ends Higby, you're sliding in there, and Gronk, you're going to start. I mean, Gronk wasn't somebody a lot of people value during draft season, but look at him, man. He has four touchdowns on the year, and he's just dominating, so you're going to Gronk Gronk all day. And as for these defenses, I think you can play them both. I mean, the Buccaneers, they they smashed last week because Matt Ryan made a bunch of mistakes, but I think the Rams are going to be able to move the football, but you may not have better options. Carolina, I would have said, was an option, but they already played on Thursday. I think the Raiders could be an option. They should be available against Jacoby Brissett, and I would much rather start the Raiders against or over the Rams and the Buccaneers, but I don't want to drop either of those defenses either. And then I think the Cardinals defense was about 56% rostered on Yahoo against Jacksonville. The Giants against Atlanta is about 6% rostered. Uh, That's a slippery slope there, but it's one that you can slip and slide down and then fall on your face and cry, specifically if you're a Giants fan listening to this podcast on Big Blue View Radio. Moving on to Seattle and Minnesota. Now, this game has a lot of fantasy goodness. A lot of sexiness for fantasy football. You can fire up both of those quarterbacks, Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson, because this over-under is 55 points, and the Vikings are dogs at home to the Seahawks by two points. I sneakily think the Vikings could win this football game, may win this football game, but it's going to be contingent on Dalvin Cook, who didn't practice all week. I think he got a limited, limited, limited session in Friday's practice, but he was a non-participant, DraftKings says, but I think Mike Zimmer said he did some work. And then Mike Zimmer also made a comment on, yeah, Dalvin Cook doesn't need to practice, and he's so good that like basically he could play anyways. But he's dealing with that, that potential high ankle sprain that people are speculating on. It's definitely an ankle injury. And I honestly think Dalvin Cook, if he plays, if he's healthy and he's not limited, it's going to absolutely smash. I have him as my number one ranked running back because Seattle just got gashed by Derrick Henry. So Dalvin Cook, if he's healthy, you're plugging him in there. If if he's not, they're going to go with Alexander Madison, a little bit of Amir Abdullah. If there's no Dalvin Cook, I mean, Alexander Madison gets vaulted up into the top 20. I don't have him in my rankings, but just know that he gets vaulted up into the top 20, and you want to plug him in there. And I feel like Madison has been in this situation before, and he typically lets down, but Seattle is not a great rush defense. Chris Carson, I'm definitely playing as well, because Minnesota equally isn't the best rush defense, even though they're at home. This is their first home game, and they started the season on the road and they just played and had that heartbreaking loss against the Arizona Cardinals so you're playing a lot of these running backs if they're available depending on the availability obviously Tyler Lockett DK Metcalf Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen you're all playing KJ Osborne in deeper leagues three receiver leagues you could definitely entertain as well KJ Osborne right now has 15 targets on the year 
He's done well. I mean, he had 14 full point PPR points in week one and 20 last week. He had that long 64-yard touchdown to open the game. Whenever the Vikings are in 11 personnel, which they like to use a lot now because they don't have any tight ends, it's K.J. Osborne who doesn't get any of the defense's attention. He usually goes up against the worst defender. So he's taking advantage of it. I think he's definitely an option that you can entertain in a little bit of deeper leagues. And then as for the tight ends, Gerald Everett would be the one that kind of comes to my mind. He hasn't really done anything, but he's a really good athlete. He knows the offensive coordinator from their time at the Rams together. If you're desperate, you can go and towards Gerald Everett and be like, okay, I'll entertain this, but it could easily be Will Disley who steals the touchdown, which is maddening because he had no targets last week. So it, it can get annoying. You, you would like to look for a more certainty at the tight end position, but there's not a lot of certainty at the tight end position. It's just the reality of the situation. Right now, I have Gerald Everett as the 18th ranked tight end, just behind Hunter Henry, just in front of Blake Jarwin. I actually have Jack Doyle, I think, beneath Gerald Everett, and I think I need to adjust that if I'm going to be real and honest with you. And then uh, for the tight ends, I'm not going to go with Tyler Conklin. The defenses I don't really want to entertain here either because this should be a very high-scoring game. Now let's move on to Sunday Night Football. Green Bay and San Francisco. The battle of Shanahan and Matt LaFleur, two, you know, really, really good friends. LaFleur came from the Shanahan coaching tree. And this is a 50 and a half point over under. The 49ers favored by three. If you have Aaron Rodgers, you're starting him. I'm not starting Garoppolo. I'm not starting Trey Lance. Doesn't look like Elijah Mitchell is going to play in this game. Jermichael Hasty has already been ruled out. So if you have Trey Sermon, this could be the week to throw him in there. And I know I, I hate trusting Kyle Shanahan in this rushing attack, specifically with the player that he's talked kind of down on. But Sermon should be the number one guy here. Trenton Cannon, yes, he's a special teamer. Jaquiz Patrick, yes, he's somebody you picked up off the Bengals practice squad, and he may get a carry or two there, here and there. He's going to be active. But it's going to be Trey Sermon running against Green Bay. And Green Bay's defense has shored up so much since that 2019 debacle at San Francisco. Back, I mean, we remember that. Blake Martinez was on Green Bay at that time. And, I mean, there was a lot wrong with the Green Bay defense. It wasn't all Blake Martinez's fault by any stretch of the imagination. But Trey Sermon could be in for a big day here. But I'm tempering my expectations just because I know how Kyle Shanahan work sometimes and how he likes to utilize different type of players right now in my rankings I have Elijah Mitchell ranked but that was before the doubtful thing came in I'm gonna have to replace that with Trey Sermon and I'm gonna have Trey Sermon probably ranked at like running back 22 that's what I'm looking at right now a little bit more of a of a low-end running back to flex type of option with huge boom potential but kind of bust potential because I mean look just a transition you know seamless transition over to wide receivers Brandon Ayuk somebody that you probably spent like a fifth or sixth round pick on has two targets on the year one catch for six yards. This could be a breakout game for Brandon Ayuk. He's probably not going to draw Jair Alexander coverage if they decide, the Packers that is, to use Jair Alexander in a shadowing manner. They may want to do that on Debo Samuel, even though he's a little bit more difficult to shadow because he's used in such a multitude of ways. But Brandon Ayuk is somebody that you can't play, but he could smash. And it would be so frustrating for you because you are going to be watching the game on Sunday Night Football. But how can you have any confidence in starting Brandon Ayuk? I'm not going to start Brandon Ayuk. But I would not be shocked if he goes out there and ends up being a huge contributor to this offense. So that's just how maddening Kyle Shanahan can be. And Devontae Adams are going to play. Aaron Jones are going to play. Trey Sermon, like I said, flex. The tight ends, I think you're definitely going to have to play both of them because it's just the state of the tight end position. Kittle has let down, but this could be a big Kittle game. Robert Tunyon is... Uh, Robert Tunyon is somebody who caught the touchdown last week. San Francisco has a really good linebacking core, but I don't think you can really get away from Robert Tunyon right now. A lot of people are hoping that they can see what TJ Hawkinson did against this defense last week and and put that on George Kittle and hope George Kittle does it. But we'll have to see that on Sunday Night Football. And then Debo Samuel, you're going to fire up. Debo has just started off the year excellently, and I'm I'm happy for him because he's... You know, he's always dealt with injuries, but he's always been one of my favorite players to watch. I love the physicality and like the splice running back type of look that he kind of has as a wide receiver and how he plays the game. And I'll run through people's face. I, I mean, I like Debo Samuel a lot when he was at South Carolina. And then when I interned at the Senior Bowl, he was down there as well. He was a really, really cool guy. So you're going to go in that direction and just really Adams and Samuel because you can't trust Valdez, Scantlin, Lazard, Cobb, or Ayuk right now. And then we have Philly and Dallas. Oh, do I not like both these teams? No, I do not. But you are 
going to play Dak Prescott, and you are going to play Jalen Hurts, because both of those guys are excellent quarterback options for fantasy football right now. Dak Prescott, I have him as my quarterback six. I expect a bounce back type of week from Dak Prescott, and I have Jalen Hurts as my quarterback eight. I mean, he's getting it done. Dallas's defense is better than it was last year, but it's still not great, and I think Hurts can get a lot of fantasy points with those legs, man, that high floor. Daniel Jones, he's been doing it through these two games. Jalen Hurts has been doing the same thing. He gets a lot of fantasy points with his legs, and I think the additions of Kenneth Gainwell and Devonta Smith, and I almost said Freeman, Devonta Smith, and a lot of these new weapons, Jalen Rager kind of coming along, I think has really helped Jalen Hurts kind of unlock his passing ability as well. So you're going to start Jalen Hurts. It's hard to kind of get away from him. I know he only had 12 completions last week, but he threw for 190 yards. Could add a lot more if Jalen Rager didn't step out of bounds. So moving on to the running backs, Zeke, you're going to play him. Miles Sanders, you're going to play him. Tony Pollard, you can play him. You can definitely flex Tony Pollard. I mean, he's coming off one of the better games of his career, 13 carries for 109 yards, had that touchdown, which was a designed run in the red zone. He's also very involved in the passing attack. It seems like every time he's out there, they try to get the football in his hands. So a lot of people are down on Ezekiel Elliott right now. I'm still going to start him. I mean, it's hard to get away from him, to be honest. It's a primetime game at home against Philadelphia, who just lost Brandon Graham, one of the better interior defenders, kind of more of a, you know, end man on the line of scrimmage type of guy, but he could kick inside to be a three-tech. He does a lot of different things for that defense, and I think that could really help with the outside tackle type of runs. And I think Zeke and Pollard can both take advantage of that. I think if you're desperate, you can flex Kenneth Gainwell. They like using him in the red zone. He's been seeing a lot of receiving work as well. But that's only if you're desperate. That's not something that you necessarily have to do. The over-under on this game is also a nice, hefty 52 points. The Cowboys are favored by 3.5. This should be a really good football game. And then the wide receivers, you're starting CeeDee Lamb. You're starting Amari Cooper. You're starting Devontae Smith. Jalen Rager, I think, is a flex or a, a low-end wide receiver three in this matchup. He's probably not going to see Trevon Diggs, who's going to be on Smith. Diggs it seems like he's coming along in his second season, so Rager can get matched up against some of these weaker Dallas cornerbacks, and I think Rager is somebody a lot of people were down on coming into the season, rightfully so, after a disappointing rookie year, but... He, like I said, could have had a huge touchdown last week that was called back, and he had a big touchdown against Atlanta as well. So I think he's more of a wide receiver three flex type of option. You could probably find better type of players. I don't believe I have him ranked in my top 35, but he would be between 35 and 40 for me because, I mean, Quez Watkins gets used, but you're not going to start Quez Watkins. Yeah, he had a 91-yard touchdown last week, but that you can't rely on you know five targets on the season so far. And that's kind of where these, where I'm at with these wide receivers. For the tight ends, Dallas Goddard, you're going to play. Zach Ertz is still on the COVID-19 list, I believe, right now. He did not practice on Friday. So Dallas Goddard, he usually does really well against the Dallas Cowboys, ironically enough. A team that really wanted to draft him, and Philadelphia actually had to jump over them to select Dallas Goddard. So you're going to be playing Dallas Goddard. Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin, you never know which one it's going to be, which is frustrating. So I don't really want to go down that rabbit hole. I have Jarwin ranked just because he's a little bit more athletic, has a little bit more athletic upside than someone like Dalton Schultz. But you can do better than, than those two tight end options. And as for these defenses, I think there are better defensive options around as well. So I'm probably not going to entertain either of them in a game that should be high scoring and entertaining. Alrighty, everybody. This has been Filato's Fantasy Corner here talking about fantasy football. Hope you guys enjoyed. Please head on over to Big Blue View and check out the work we have going on. We're doing some excellent things over there with Ed Valentine, Joe DeLeon, Chris Flum, and the rest of the crew doing great stuff. Please subscribe and comment and rate Big Blue View Radio, which is probably what you're listening to this on right now. Anyways, I'm Nicholas Filato signing off. Best of luck this week, everybody.